Welcome to the Six Pillars podcast, lifting the lid on the vision to make grain a $6 billion industry by 2030. The innovation pillar of the grain's blueprint spells out a vision of, by 2030, South Australia will have the tools and technology to allow growers to increase yield and reduce costs in a sustainable way. Blueprint manager Jonathan Wilson joined me in the GPSA studio to dig into the thinking behind this. A surprise in the research was that technical solutions weren't always enough by themselves. Often, you also need a social licence to use them. There's a number of things that have come out of this one. Um, one of the biggest ones is around the community expectations and the way that those have changed in the past 10 or 15 years. Ultimately, we need to be able to have an industry that appeals to the community. So by community, I don't mean our consumers, I don't mean our producers. I mean, how do we then appeal to the average person walking down Rundle Mall or Norwood Parade or Jetty Road at Glen Elk? How then do we appeal to them and then to a broader community? And some of the things that we've seen the community is interested in uh, around chemical usage, uh, around genetic modification, We've seen it in the uh, meat industry around live animal export. Having those various community expectations have a genuine real impact in the way that we do what we do. We also see that in terms of our reaction to changing climate. And those are things that we really need to be prepared for. We have seen industries in the UK be mandated that they must be carbon neutral by 2035. We've seen the same thing for California, which I think is 2040. We've got the federal opposition who are saying we're looking for carbon neutrality by 2050. The grains industry in South Australia is really well placed. And one of the things that I think we should have as a target is how do we become carbon neutral by 2030? Given that our challenges are probably not as big as some of the other agricultural industries, but we've still got challenges. So this innovation space is how then do we meet and beat those challenges And one of them is around how do we meet community expectations? In the panel discussions that you've had, what are some of the things you're hearing about those expectations and how they're met? A lot of the discussions that we've had are reactions to climate change. But I think some of them is how are we going to farm differently in 2030 than what we're doing today? We've already seen that advance to a no-till point of view. I think we'll see a change in our commodity mix and what we're planting. I think we'll see changes in in looking at our crop rotations. Ultimately, if you look at some of the work that GRDC have already done around the carbon impact of grain production, but if you look at where they're saying that the big contributions to our, our carbon footprint as a grains industry, one of them is around our nitrogen usage. And that's, you know, how then are we getting that fertiliser and putting it on? If we're changing how we're producing and what we're producing in line with the market demand, whether that's the, the biscuit demand out of Indonesia or whether it's a, the feed grain demand in the domestic market, we actually changes our, our nitrogen footprint. If we change our crop rotation, we've got a much bigger pulse market then the growers are more financially motivated to put pulses in the ground, which naturally puts nitrogen in the ground for the next year's crop. So I guess we're just looking and saying, how then do we meet those challenges that we're seeing and having an innovative approach to that? And if you look at our challenges, some of them are you know, our nitrogen usage, um, meeting those community expectations, challenge of labour how are we going to actually produce the crop with a shrinking suitable labour pool in the, the regional areas? 
we've got a tremendous amount of data that our farms are producing. How do we convert that data into information and then into knowledge? Innovation is often the natural home for farmers in some regards, though, isn't it? Because producers want to try different crops because they produce better results. So is this an easier pillar to work in or in terms of regulation, difficult? You're right in that growers are the most adaptive group that I've ever come across. You know, they see a problem, they go out and fix it. They don't necessarily wait for anyone to come and help them. And I love that. And one of the things that has come to me is actually going out and spending time on farm with various growers and just asking questions. Why do you do that? What's the point of that? I think I probably get a lot more out of it than the growers do. But it's just understanding that mentality is that it's an old fashioned phrase. It's the gumption that growers have in that, you know, we're going to figure out a way we're going to fix this particular urgent problem. So I want to take that notion of applying their gumption to an urgent problem and applying it to this kind of longer term opportunity. How then do we take that same attitude that we're going to find a solution and do it in a concerted longer term way? The innovation piece in some cases should be quite straightforward, but it's also some really complicated stuff. You mentioned the regulatory space. In lots of cases, our regulation in Australia is not keeping up with the pace of change that we're seeing. And that's one of our big frustrations in that you've got regulation in place that's really appropriate for a place and time. But we're seeing technology changing so quickly. You know, my son the other day asked what a CD was. You know, he's 11 years old and he asked what a CD was. He's only used to digital technology. So I think what we're, we're seeing is we're seeing the pace of change outstripping our regulation, and that obviously creates limitations for us, and also creates limitations for the, the big technology companies in that if they see there's regulatory restraint in how they can introduce their solutions, unfortunately the fact is that the Australian market is quite small in global terms. And so we're either going to get a, a substandard solution or no solution at all. Essentially, it's too expensive to meet the regulation to bring the product in here yeah. and they'll, they'll bypass it. Correct. It's as simple as that. It's not that the regulation is bad or poorly written. It's that it's been written for a particular space and time in a particular situation. But that situation changes so rapidly that the ephemeral rapidity with which our, our markets and our opportunities and our technology is changing we just can't keep up with it in terms of regulation. So I think having a broad regulation that says, well, this is what we're intending to do, rather than saying here are the specific restrictions. If you you look at it from, you know, a layman's look at the regulation that's affected the airport in terms of the curfew, you know, there are specific types of aircraft that can land after the curfew, but all of them are much louder than the current aircraft that are in the air. So, you know, so you've got restrictions that are that were put in place for a particular point in time that actually have been outstripped by the regulation. I don't know if that regulation's changed recently, but that certainly was the case. Jonathan Wilson, we see plenty of overseas businesses and also startups turning up in Australia with an innovation that's been developed offshore. We're often seen as a place to sell to rather than work with. Do we need a different approach? It's a two-way thing. You've got these ag entrepreneurs or these entrepreneurs who've got a solution and they're trying to shoehorn that solution into South Australia. But what we want to do is we want to bring that knowledge to South Australia. So while they're working on their other solution, they're actually thinking about our problems. So that connection of the problem to the research is going to be really important. That That's that knowledge innovation that we're looking for. Central to that is the, the environment, the neighbourhood at weight. 
you know, we've got huge uh, amounts of knowledge sitting there with our scientists and our scientific community. It's in how do we draw in these ag tech entrepreneurs? How do we draw in our industry in order to connect them together and create this opportunity where the problem is being met by the researchers and the researchers are getting into the uh, commercial space? You know, that's a, a really exciting opportunity. One of the disappointing things is you, you, you try to articulate this to, to people like, oh, you just want to be the, the Silicon Valley of ag tech in the Southern Hemisphere. We actually want to be much more than that. We want to be a proactive space where we are seeing actual real-life problems get solved. And if we can see that solution happening in an intelligent and a usable way, it's got to be usable, then we're really going to make strides. You know, so that's that's what the innovation is about. It's about it's about connecting the knowledge and the problem together in a way that can be used. Jonathan Wilson, Blueprint Manager, thank you for joining me in the GPSA studio. You're welcome. <laughs>